Whoa there. It must have been Harrigan's lucky day, because the riders somehow managed to rein in before their horses snapped him like kindling. But his relief was short-lived, for no sooner had the horses drawn to a halt than Coltrane was down beside him and putting a boot to his ribs. As Harrigan curled into a ball, the newcomers took in the scene from beneath their hat brims. Three kicks later, the younger of the two decided he'd seen enough. Hey, you there. Any more of that and you'll kill him. Coltrane paused with his left foot drawn back for another wallop. He had a long, sharp-featured face and icy blue eyes in which the pupils seemed to be the single most prominent feature. The hair spilling from beneath his smoke-gray J.B. was the color of straw, as was the light stubble etching his pointed jaw. He wore a gray shirt, old denim pants, low-heeled boots, a black leather rig holding a Colt's forty-five tied to his right thigh. For a moment he just stared up at the rider. He saw a kid maybe two years his junior, nothing more. Then he said, "'You talking to me?' The youngster, up on the sturdy little cow pony, nodded very slowly. "'Reckon so,' he allowed. On the boardwalk, Stover eyed the newcomers more carefully. Coltrane might only see an old man and a boy. Stover saw more. He saw the twin trainers and the kids nodded down Buscadero holsters the smooth grips of the older man's Remington forty-four, and something inside him tingled in warning. These two weren't just another pair of miners hoping to try their luck in the gold fields around King Creek. They were something more. He took a slow step forward, allowing his flinty brown eyes to travel from one trail-worn face to the other. I appreciate your concern, he said diplomatically, but this here's none of your business. It's a private matter. Understand me? The young rider nodded once more. Like his companion, he had a long, slightly mournful face, but while it was certainly lived in, it was also painfully innocent as well. His chin was strong and square, pitted by a dimple, and his build seemed compact and whippy. Sure, he said. I don't dispute that for a minute. But whether you're settling a private matter or not, you're going about it in an awful public way. Besides which, I'd say that fellow down there's taken enough. His storm-cloud gray eyes flicked back to settle on Coltrane. Was I you? He said pointedly. I'd stand back and give him some air. The hell you! I mean it, partner, the young man warned. Coltrane's wolfish face set itself into a smile. I'd like to see you try and stop me, he growled. And once again he raised his left foot in preparation for another kick. The young man up on the cow pony knew a challenge when he heard one, but what he chose to do about it was so unexpected that Coltrane never even saw it coming. Gigging his horse a foot or so closer, he slipped his own left boot free of the stirrup and kicked Coltrane right in the face. The blue-eyed bully boy grunted, fell backwards, hit his head on the edge of the boardwalk, and almost lost consciousness. Well, the young man on the cow pony asked mildly, how do you like it? Coltrane spat blood. Why you, with his temper up, 
he made a move towards his colt. On the boardwalk beside Stover, Baker did likewise. Before either of them could clear leather, however, the kid's older companion had his Remington out in covering them. I wouldn't, he advised quietly. They didn't. For one split second, the shock was plain on their faces. Even Harrigan's. None of them had seen the older man draw. If they hadn't known such a thing to be impossible, they might have sworn that the forty-four had just leapt up into his palm. Now, said the oldster calmly, reach across and unlimber those guns. Slowly now, and with your fingertips only.'